podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Here comes Bosco's Boys, here comes Bosco's Boys, right down Bosco's Boys Lane. Santa Claus, Scott, and all the boneheads on Willie's crazy train. Chauncey's chewing on a crimson elephant toy, what a beautiful noise. Hang your stockings and fill them with sugar, here comes Bosco's Boys. The boys are back, and this is the final episode before Christmas, so I thought I would give you guys one more gift. Uh, You heard me and all the boneheads try to talk recruiting yesterday during the live show, so I thought, all right, let's get a professional in here as well. He is one of the youngest guns on the beat. He is, I mean, look, I, I think I feel like I told Flando he was my favorite the last time he was on. I told Derek he's my favorite, but you might be my actual favorite at K-State Online. I don't know. I love you guys all. Uh, he is a Topeka cat himself. He is a former junior blue, just as I am. It is the man, the myth, the legend, Drew Galloway of K-State Online. Drew, how are you doing? Are you ready for Christmas? It's three days away. Oh, yeah, I'm ready for Christmas, feeling good. Just got back from Georgia, actually. Went to see my girlfriend, celebrate her birthday, and some shout out, some Shout out to your there. girlfriend. I don't know if she's listening, but shout out to your girlfriend. Merry Christmas to your girlfriend. So just got back, actually, yesterday. It's like everybody talks about, like, how do you celebrate signing day and everything? Like, sleep was, like, the number one thing that I did. Like, I got back yesterday, like, 8 o'clock, and it was probably the earliest that I've slept in probably, like, three weeks. Like, signing day exciting day takes a lot out of us like uh i i remember talking when everything slowed down and people were talking on the board like uh about everything slowing down and i was like oh this is great like i get to catch my breath yeah they were coming in hot and heavy yesterday Uh, before we get into it remember we are sponsored by manhattan brewing company drew the next time you're going to manhattan whether it's for press conference whether it's for a basketball game or just to hang out Make sure you're checking out Manhattan Brewing Company. I'm going in the next time I'm getting one of their Thick Boy Stouts. That's right. They have a stout called the Thick Boy Stout. That's what I want. They have all that great Christmas decor. So if you're in Manhattan or if you're going to be in there around this, uh, you know, final few days before Christmas, go in there, take in the holiday spirit. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company today, the best craft brewery in the state of Kansas. All right, let's get into it. Look, um, we talked about it. Uh, on the show last night, um, I didn't think we would get into the top 30. I think you and I have had uh, conversations throughout this year where I was looking at, I don't know if we'll be able to get into the top 30. Um, But there we are. You know, Rivals, I believe, has us at 28. 247 has us at 29. On three, where you were at, just right outside the top 30. But hey, look, I'm saying two out of three, it's a top 30 recruiting class. If you just look at it, as a whole, you look at some of the, you know, blue blood pelts that are up on the wall from this year. Just what are your macro takeaways from this recruiting class? It, it was just kind of the perfect storm of they're kind of coming into their own. They know what they want athlete wise. 
and then a loaded crop in state with a lot of like big time local talent with a lot of good offers. So it's kind of like the perfect storm of all that. And then you end it by getting a bunch of Juco kids that are very highly rated. You get Trace Spivey and then it's like the perfect storm of getting into the top 30. Like, and then even with the, the reevaluations, like some of the early or the early commits ended up getting bumped up. Like it was the perfect storm of if this was going to be a top 30 class and then coupled with the big 12 championship that you ended perfectly and got into the top 30 for the first time. I think I saw last night since 2005. Yeah. I, I thought it was 2008. Uh, Cause I think there were a couple of Ron Prince classes, but uh, I, I saw that same tweet and then someone else, uh, some college football Twitter account said this was our best class since 2002. So um, again, there's so many different rankings. Uh, you could probably find some list that has this as the best ever, uh, but it, it is massive. And we will talk about the state of Kansas here in a little bit, but it wasn't just the state of Kansas. I, I believe it is a record, at least since 1997, kids from 18 different states so they went all over the place so my question is you're in the top 30 you had kids from 18 different states is this kind of an anomaly of the class or is this saying hey look everything that you used to think about k-state recruiting only kansas oklahoma texas you know and, and being in the 50s um is this just like announcing to the world all right here's the new norm here is the chris Kleiman wildcats on the recruiting trail well, if you look back historically, they don't just go Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas with this stuff. They've they usually have like eight to ten states represented, but this class was kind of I don't want to say an anomaly. It's just like they had more with the initial counter waiver, uh, or the initial counter limit being waived, that they had just more spots, and I feel like their message is also just resonating more. So it was kind of, again, like that perfect storm of they can get as many kids as they wanted. Plus, they already got a lot of kids in a diff- in a lot of different states before. So it's kind of like how you get that perfect storm of the most states represented. Because I want to say in the last class, there was probably eight or nine different states. Yes, and we we love talking about the Kansas kids. At least I do. I love talking about the Kansas kids. And let's start with that. Because, again, if you look at the state of Kansas, I know for a long time everyone was trying to argue, okay, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, you know, the the best class of all time in the state of Kansas. But I think it is. And when you grab six of the top 12 in a year where I believe, I mean, what? I think there's close to 20 kids who are going Division One. Um, yeah, it, it's like 18 to 20, the, the last time that I counted. Yeah, so 18 to 20 kids, you grab six of the top 12, depending, and again, you know, I, that, that's just a congregation. Depending on which site you're looking at, uh, it's even six out of the top 10. So what does it mean to grab, you know, the king's share, as I put on Twitter, the king's share of the greatest class of prep prospects the state of Kansas has ever seen? I mean, it is absolutely massive. I mean, I I know that we we don't want to always bring this up when talking about Kansas kids, but, like, when you look at what KU did in state, 
and they didn't even have an in-state commit until the last two weeks before signing day. So, like, it, it just means a lot, and means a lot to the program to have all these Kansas kids because uh, K-State is always out there publicizing about how many Kansas kids that they have and how many more that they have than KU. And, and like, you can tell how much it means for the program and everybody by how vocal and loud the staff was towards KU about all the Kansas kids that K-State got yesterday. I mean, I it got, I think uh, Taylor Bratt tweeted something. I know Hank Jacobs did. And then some of the commits that I, Camden Beebe did. Camden Beebe using, I, I think it was uh, Dylan Foster's uh, graphic, by the way. So shout, shout out to him. That tweet, I didn't see it until this morning. I was just like, oh, man. Like, it, and I, I've i been using the phrase Ad Astra All-Stars for a while, but it truly is. I mean, you look at the six guys coming into this class, and, and it's across the board. You have skill position players. you got guys in the trenches. Uh, it, it truly was about as perfect of a class of in-state as you could realistically hope for. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the best class you could possibly hope for with, uh, like, true blue bloods going after a couple of these kids and i know that we're going to talk about that later but like you have they have the kids that are just criminally under recruited like camden bb being one of the lowest uh rated kids in state that that kind of bothers me but we'll talk about that later probably but um like you could just tell how much that the class meant in state for the staff i mean we had all I listed those three, but I mean, Maddie Gage was talking some smack on KU and the, with the Camden BB retweet saying, Say it louder for the people to the east. Like, this class meant a ton to the staff and meant a ton to the kids because all of the Kansas kids were super bought in very early on. Yeah. And, and I, I think that that was brought on by two things. I think uh, the, the young gentleman, Jaden Ham, when he flipped, from Arkansas to KU, he did one of those ceremonies where he did the fake hat thing, threw it off to the side, and then the That's KU uh, recruiting director as well, talking about how the best kids in the state uh, come to play for KU. Uh, first off, I don't hold, I don't, I think it's fun. I think it is fun when these recruits do that type of stuff. I, I don't hold any ill will towards him. I didn't hold any ill will, uh, you know, towards Mr. Gavin Potter when he did that as well. Um, but you do have to back it up. And, and th- if there's one thing about K-State football, they take they take actual pride. It's not just lip service uh, when they're talking about pride in the state. And uh, if, if those two guys, you know, the recruiting director and one of those recruits decide they're going to, you know, say something, they have to be prepared for the blowback. Um, and I think Camden Beebe, I, I, I hope, I, I hope, uh, that, uh, you know, Mr. Ham ends up having to switch to defensive line because I would love to see in like 2024, 2025, Camden Beebe because he seems like the type of guy who's going to remember this type of stuff for a while. Oh, yeah. For me, like, I, I, I like the rivalry. What Ham did was fine. The recruiting director tweet, kind of cringy when you look at that K-State at one point had more 2024 Kansas commits than KU had 2023 Kansas commits. But, yeah. That, I mean, that, that you can tweet whatever you want, just make sure it's a little bit factual, maybe. No, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I agree 100%. Um, 
while we're in the state of Kansas, let's talk about the crown jewel. Let's talk about Avery Johnson. Uh, Avery Johnson, he's a four-star everywhere. He's the number 160 national recruit on on three, number 13 quarterback. 247 has him as the number four national prospect, number seven quarterback. ESPN 79 national prospect, number three dual threat rivals, number 80 national player, number one dual threat quarterback, number one player in the state of Kansas across the board. Especially when we saw more quarterback commitment flips in the final week than maybe we've seen uh, maybe ever in college football. While, you know, people were spazzing out, you know, Georgia tried to come to town, Florida State was trying to get him to come to campus, all this type of stuff. Avery Johnson, once he locked in, he never once wavered. Um, before we talk about him, the quality of a actual prospect he is, how special is it that, you know, despite all these programs coming at him, despite seeing all these quarterback flips throughout the nation, he stood true and he didn't waver from the moment he made his announcement. Shoot, I mean, you could say that he never wavered since February, maybe. Well, since his official, year. yeah. I mean, even like K-State had the lead for him in February and led all the way. Like he went on those official visits, but K-State was so far ahead that he went on the visits, but nobody really seemed to waver. But it is really, really special to have a prospect like that. That is your crown jewel of the class when you look at it from a big time rankings perspective. And, And it still also feels like he's a little bit underrated despite all of the accolades that he's gotten that it feels like he needs to be bumped up a little bit more, specifically on on three. I think that he is way too low at 160. But it, it just feels like it's very special when you look at it, because, I mean, two two schools and state had their quarterback commits flip. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Baylor and KU both had theirs flip. And it's just you get to that point where, it, it like you have all your eggs in one basket essentially at the quarterback position because you can't recruit multiple guys from high the high school ranks in one class because you're just asking for trouble. So to have somebody like Avery that never wavered, he always visited, he was always talking to kids, he was always tweeting at kids. I mean, I, I can't remember the amount of or the amount of times that he tweeted at Trace Spivey and at Asa before they ended up committing, and then they do because they're following him and they're they're just so all interconnected and that he knew a bunch of these uh, recruits before they even like he truly got to K-State and was committed because he saw them on like the camp trails. He saw them at other schools visits like he had all these connections and then you saw the fruits of all of that on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I, I'm so pumped. And then his senior year is complete. He will be in Manhattan in just a matter of a few weeks enrolling early. What did you see from Avery Johnson's, you know, senior year and how excited are you to get him in this Colin Klein offense and begin his development? Oh, this, this season, you really saw him all come together. And instead of just being like this elite athlete that also plays quarterback, he developed a lot more in the passing game and he was a lot more accurate this season than he was a year ago. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he stopped playing baseball and basketball during the off season and just focused on football 
So you really saw him take that next step and that next leap. And I mean, you can't help but not be really, really excited to see what he can do in Colin Klein's offense after looking at what Will Howard has done in his last seven games. And then, I mean, you even look at what Adrian Martinez did, which I mean, he almost he ran for like 700 yards or so well, and again, in the games that he played. I, I like to bring this up. Before Adrian Martinez got hurt, he was in the top five in Heisman future betting market. Again, I know I and this is not to run down Will Howard or anything, but people for, I, I think people will forget when they look back on this 2022 season. I think people are going to forget how good Adrian Martinez was before he really got banged up in that Iowa State game. So, oh, oh, uh, yeah, I, it, I think that also that also shows how good Colin Klein has been not a, not 100%. only as a quarterback's coach but as as a play caller to adjust the offense to make it so that both quarterbacks can shine. That is one hundred percent true. We're going to stay in Kansas. I, I'm going to ask uh, about just a couple of these. Uh, Kansas kids real quick uh, before we move on uh, beyond just the the boundaries of our great state Jordan Allen uh, I was in your DMs I was spazzing out a little bit it sounds like Taylor Brett was just like hey dude wake up and send us your papers it sounds like they weren't very worried but he is a four-star again uh, you don't always see this in the state of Kansas but depending on the rankings you have four or probably Again, depending on the rankings, between three, four, and five four stars in the state of Kansas, and K State is grabbing two of them with Jordan Allen. Uh, if you want to talk about a pure athlete, this kid is scary. I think if you were to like throw him out on the NFL Combine right now, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say he's going to be a first round draft pick or anything, but he's going to put up testing numbers uh, just with the best of the best of pro scouts right now. What do you think his trajectory is going to look like uh, when he gets to K-State? And then also, how important is it to get a re- like recruiting wins over Tennessee, Oklahoma, uh, you know, all sorts of SEC schools, Big Ten schools? Just about everyone was coming after Jordan Allen short of Alabama. And again, outside of, you know, letting Oklahoma come to town, he went and saw one game. It's not like he was really flirting around too much after he locked in as well. Like Jordan Allen, kind of the forgotten man of this class, especially in Kansas. And everybody kind of forgot about him until yesterday and the weeks leading up to signing day, forgetting about how good he was. And I think that a little bit of that has to do with that he didn't commit until September. So people just kind of forgot about him and then came back around and like watched him again. And he is a freak. He he's a great, great, great athlete. He's one of the top athletes in the class. And at his size, that, that's saying something. Like, he has, you said, yeah, you don't want to say that he is an NFL first-round draft pick, but he has potential to be a very, very high draft pick. And with his size, his speed, his strength, oh, my God, he is stronger than, than, than an ox. Like, he, he's massive. He can really bend the edge. He is a guy that I think could maybe play and maybe burn his redshirt next year. He, If he can develop more along, more skills along the defensive line, he will easily play next year because he, he is just that good. I'm going to do this next question, and, and I will get outside the borders because I'm going in 
include someone from the state of Colorado. But my favorite and my quote unquote guy from this class is Will Ancio. But we're also bringing in um, Mertzker, I think Metzger. I don't mm-hmm. know the Colorado tight end uh, that we took from uh, Dion in Colorado, beat out Nebraska as well. When you have two tight ends of that caliber, two playmaking tight ends, is that you know Colin Klein, Chris Klein, kind of showing their hand, saying, "Hey, hey, folks, look, look what we're about to do here in a couple of years." And how excited are you to see two tight ends uh, who have that athletic ability, that pass pass catching ability from day one? Yeah, I was going to say, like, we talked about how good this receiver class is and that it's maybe the best that K-State has ever had from a recruiting perspective. And just on paper, the tight end class is right there. I mean, Ancio and Metzger both really put together, both good pass catchers, both good blockers. I mean, and then just legitimate recruiting wins. I mean, Iowa State KU after Will Ancio. He's also a KU legacy. K-State wins out. Metzger was uh, committed to Colorado. The new staff at Colorado offered him. He decommits. He takes an official visit to the new staff at Nebraska. And Nebraska, a lot of people thought that Nebraska had a big lead after their official visit. And K-State comes and knocks their visit out of the park with Metzger and steals them from Matt Rule. It's like having these legitimate weapons, you're probably going to see, you could actually see more two tight end, two receiver sets. And I think somebody posted on the board today that with Metzger and Ancio, it wouldn't be surprising to see a five receiver set or a five wide set by having two tight ends, which also causes big problems. I mean, you think about this class, and it's it's easy to daydream about a set on offense that has Avery Johnson at quarterback, Trace Spivey and Andre Davis out wide with either Jace Brown or Wesley Watson in the slot with Metzger and Ancio, both also at like that six three six four range. Like the the class of skill position players, which is rare at K State, was really tall and long and lengthy. And you're seeing more of like what they want on defense now at, on offense at receiver and tight end. Because I mean that all of those kids are really, really long. Speaking of wide receiver, one of the best wide receiver classes of all time. Uh, forgotten guys, even still in the state, Andre Davis. Again, uh, if you if you look over at Rivals, right on the razor's edge of being a four-star, number seven player in the state, a top 100 wide receiver in the country, offers from Illinois, Iowa, Iowa State, KU, Nebraska, Missouri. I mean, and then you couple that up with the other three. What sort of potential do you think this group of four will have? Again, it never works out that, oh, hey, you're going to have these four guys. They're all going to be great all at once. That's just not how recruiting works. But the pedigree, the recruiting wins for all four of these guys, uh, you got to be thinking to yourself, okay, come 23, 24, we, we probably will not be in a situation where you're looking at uh, your wide receiver room and you're kind of like scratching your head, kind of how we might be finding ourselves come August. Um, how exciting is it to see that switch flip and bring in four dudes all of that caliber. I mean, it, it, it is really, really exciting when you think about the recruiting wins, because even though Jace Brown doesn't have the offers listed, Jace Brown also was a wanted man by Power 5 schools. There were some ACC schools that were after him. And like, it just shows how 
Thad Ward has really came in and hit the ground running. I mean, they were they were left for dead for Andre Davis before Thad Ward was hired. Thad Ward comes in, flips the switch, and Andre Davis becomes one of the first commits. He was in like the top or the first five or six of this class after they had no chance in like February or no before that. It was like December, January of last year. Like yep. Everyone's just like, don't even worry about Andre Davis. Thad Ward comes in, and then boom. Then flips the switch, and he's one of the first commits of the class. It's like, it it just shows Technically before Avery. Technically before Avery. Avery. So, like, it just shows how good Thad Ward was and is. Because, I mean, we talk about these four receivers. Keegan Johnson was also a wanted man. He had offers from Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Nebraska, and like every everybody wanted Keegan Johnson, and he goes and gets him out of the portal. It's like it, it just shows how good that recruiting is right now, from a just straight up wins perspective. And this is where everybody gets excited, and every school and everybody gets excited about their school and what they have. But with, with what K State has done with classes in like the fifty to sixty range. It's hard to not be really excited about what they can do with a class in like the 28 to 34 range. Yes, for sure. And then let, let's get beyond Kansas again. There's so many of these kids, and, and we've talked about especially these Kansas kids uh, quite a bit. I, I, I do remember, and I'll just say this. I remember when we got Wesley Fair. I remember I, I was talking to you. I was like, man, this is the type of athlete I want out of the state of Kansas. Pumped about him. Again, so many guys. Uh, well, Hold on. Did we hit all of them? Was Wesley Fair the last one we didn't talk about? Yeah. I'm just looking at the list. Yes, because we already talked about Camden, who, again, was in on the uh, uh, a finalist for the best player in the Kansas City Metro as an offensive and defensive lineman. So uh, I'm pumped to see all these guys. But let's get beyond that, and let's talk about some of these late recruiting wins because you had, uh, I believe, in the final week and a half, two weeks, outside of just Keegan Johnson – you had some massive wins in the junior college ranks, uh, massive recruiting wins, including beating Alabama head-to-head for Will Lee. You have two big, two of the biggest recruiting wins in the high school ranks coming basically in the final, you know, 96 hours with Ace Newsom, which I, I know it's like Asa, but, you know, Kleiman was calling him Ace, so I like that nickname. I'll call him Ace Newsom, And then Trey Spivey. Um what what were your thoughts when we saw basically everything go our way uh, in the final couple weeks with these JUCO guys and with these two, you know, just razor's edge of a, well, hell, I, I was about to say razor's edge of a blue chip, but Ace Newsom is a four-star at a couple spots. It, it is hard to see a scenario where, like, everything didn't just go perfectly how K-State wanted it to go to in the, in the cycle. I mean, they they identified Terry Kirksey early, got him on the official visit after the Juco National Championship game, sealed the deal. You identify Rex Van Huy early with Iowa State. Iowa State never hosts him on a visit. K-State sneaks him in without an offer, without any really fanfare. You sneak him in, you get, you get him. He's rated higher on some sites than Will Lee. You you identified Will Lee over the summer he was offered. And they actually had contact with him as a high school recruit. But you identify him early. You have him come in July for an official visit because 
JUCO recruiting is kind of weird. They they get the last weekend of July as an official visit time. So they sneaked him on for an official visit while he was committed to Oregon State. And UI did find him so early. He actually committed to the K-State staff after that official visit, but never went public with it. But you but you got him in so early, and you identified him early. And then look at that. Everybody under the sun came out and offered him after the JUCO National Championship game. So they're identifying these JUCO guys so early that they have that leg up. And a lot of the kids want to show the same loyalty to K-State that uh, K-State showed to them. It's like you get that. Then with Trace Spivey, you knocked his official visit out of the park. And then he comes back the next home game for the KU game. And you keep... I referred to it the whole time as K-State is just kind of sticking around. Sticking around. Like they aren't going away. And then it fell their way after Avery Johnson and Thad Ward and Chris Kleiman knocked his in-home visit with Spivey out of the park, from what I heard. So, like, you had this perfect wave of everything going your way. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, Asa Newsom, who was another guy that they identified early, he's that when we saw him, he was, I think, just finishing his sophomore year, and he was at a camp. And he was a kid that Derek and I looked at each other and were like, holy shit, who is this? Like, he was very put together then and that good then, and he's just that good now. If you ever want to know how recruiting is going and you want to be happy, go look at Ace and some highlights. He is running jet sweeps on offense. He is going to be a linebacker at K-State. Like, he has legitimate speed. It, it is hard to not also think about how good that the linebackers are going to be when you couple this class with the last class we, we talked about this on the show last night um it, and it starts with des Purnell. uh if you if yeah. you look at him the topeka cat a few years ago out of topeka hayden he's starting as a redshirt freshman at well he will be starting as a redshirt sophomore next year when they move to lead duke back to edge at least i'm assuming that's what's going to happen you have jake clifton who burnt his red shirt playing a bunch at linebacker. You have Tobio, who was a menace on special teams. He still has his red shirt. And then you look at this crop of linebackers coming in. Dude. Yeah. Come I on. Mean, Come on. I mean, it, it, it's a little bit of hyperbole when you think about it, but like this class of linebackers, this is one of the most impressive that I can remember off the top of my head. I mean, Asa wanted man by everyone regionally except for iowa state for some reason that is weird they, they offer like 500 people and then they didn't offer him maybe he was just like no fuck <laughs> off matt campbell like don't even talk to me uh, then terry kirksey one of the best juco linebackers in the country on three has him as the number 20 juco prospect total rex van y on some sites is rated higher than will lee and terry kirksey and then you, you have Colin Dunn, who was a wanted man by a kid in West Virginia during the summer. And K-State sneaks him in on an official visit. Head-to-head win for him over West Virginia. Again, you, you're pointing it out. I Sorry for interrupting you, but like if you just look especially at what we've done at linebacker and what we've done at wide receiver, it has completely flipped everything on K-State's head. Because, again, 
we've always we, we've been able to get some dudes at cornerback safety before we've been able able to do well in the trenches but it's always been linebacker always been wide receiver like yeah i don't know and now th- these last two classes my god man yeah and, and then like the, the the one guy that didn't have uh public offers from power five school at linebacker was austin romaine Austin Romain had like 117 tackles this year and was the defensive player of the year in his conference. Like you, you look at all of this and you're like, huh, at linebacker and receiver, everything really did just flip on its head from where it had been before. For sure. Uh, so let's, uh, bef- before we get into this next one, I want to give a shout out to Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle, I, again, I, I think the number changes every time I talk about this, but I just find more in my closet. I think I have like 10 of their crew neck sweatshirts. They're so comfortable. They have a million great uh, styles. I have three, no, no, I have four K-State crew necks. I have a Jay Rieger whiskey crew neck. I have two from their Arrowhead collection. I have two Kansas City hearts. Then I have a black and then a gray, just Kansas City crew neck sweatshirt. They are also comfortable, especially during this winter. Check out charliehustle.com today or venture out to the Country Club Plaza to get yours today. All right, let's, again, we're going to open it up to everything. Um, I, I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions. You answer them, and then we'll just kind of move on. It doesn't have to be rapid fire, but a little bit quick hitting. Um, of all the guys who committed, what is the best truly recruiting win by this staff? Again, there's a lot to lot to pull through. You can give me like a top three, top five if you want to. But what are like the ones that, hey, this staff just that was just a pure recruiting win. That is one to kind of put on the mantle. Oh man, you weren't kidding when you talk about like there's so many for this staff all or for this class. I'll go I'll go Will Lee for his identification during the summer and then holding off the big guys like Alabama coming in late. But I'll, I'll go I'll go Will Lee one probably Asa two, Avery three. Weird to think that Avery Johnson may be the third best recruiting one. Yes, that is a wild one. All right. Who is going to be the, uh, I, I don't even want to say diamond in the rough because so like, first off, there's not many who kind of fit that profile, but a lot of them have a lot of fanfare, but let, let's rephrase it as this. What is the one recruit that, Hey, Maybe we haven't talked about. Maybe fans aren't really talking about. But hey, this kid is going to be a multiple year contributor. Maybe even a future All Conference guy that fans are not talking about. Uh, he was starting to get a little bit of love yesterday, and I know Derek also posted something about this. But when you look back and look at Ryan Davis's senior film, it's very, very good. And I think that he could be a guy that's a multi year contributor. Also, uh, I think Chidi Obiezer could be one of the guys that is a multi-year contributor that nobody isn't really talking about. He's a guy that Coach True truly gets to mold. His, I mean, who knows where his body's going to take him at 6'6". He could be 6'6", 275, and actually playing on the offensive line soon if he gets up to 300. But like he's at like that 240-ish range. It'll be interesting to see where his body takes him because he could play offensive tackle, defensive tackle, defensive end. One I want to talk about, and again, I said I was going to do more kind of like quick hitting, but I, I want to talk about this prospect because um, it's shame on me for not bringing him up by himself earlier. But out of the Sunshine, Sunshine State, Joe Jackson, we're going to have DJ and JJ in the backfield. But you see the emotion and how much passion he had at his signing day uh, ceremony 
on on uh, Twitter, on Instagram. This is a guy when you turn on his tape, you're like, oh man, th- this could be a yeah. dude. And he was the one player pointed out by Chris Kleiman in his press conference yesterday as someone who might be playing next year. What have you seen from him in his tape? And just kind of kind of walk me through. It. I mean, I think he's probably forgotten a little bit because Casey, of course, was chasing some four stars in state all year as well. But I mean, he's a guy who I I, I agree with Chris Kleiman. Depending on what happens in the transfer portal. Or if, you know, Deuce decides to come back, I'm I'm leaning towards no on that one. But he might be playing – I mean, he'll play in four at least. He might I, earn I, his red I shirt. Say, I was going to say, he could play four even if they take a transfer. But he he is explosive. And he will hit you hard if you if you aren't trying to wrap him up. He, he is not as big as DJ and doesn't run like DJ – like I'm struggling to come up with a comparison, and I know that Dy has too. Of like who Jaden Jack or um, Joe Jackson reminds us of because he's really unique in that he can he has the burners, but he will also smack you. I think he's like a little hole. bit of like maybe like a you know a mini Daniel Thomas almost. Yeah, I I could I could definitely see that he's Daniel Thomas, but a little bit shorter and a little and a little bit he's not as wide either but he has good speed he has good hands i mean there was a point remember when a lot of case eight fans on the board were saying slot receiver receiver? yeah Yeah, like like he has really really good hands and he can just do it all and he is kind of a guy that everybody forgot about but he was so locked in with case eight i mean it it shows how much this staff and this class are so interconnected and want everybody to succeed that I mean Joe Jackson was brought to tears during his signing ceremony that like you could see how that was like the payoff of everything that K-State did for him that he recognized because K-State was actually Joe Jackson's first offer yes I'm glad we're uh, able to talk about him let's get back to some of these kind of like mini superlative type questions so who in this class is going to be a guy who hears his name called at the NFL draft one day? Um, or, may, or I'll rephrase this because I I, I kind of hate predicting that. Who right now, who kind of fits into that frame of saying like, hey, you know, if, if things go right, this could be a draft prospect one day? Uh, there, I'll say Jordan Allen with Will Lee closely behind. Yeah, Will Lee. I, and again, since he's a Juco transfer, it could – Again, that, I want him. Like I want him for two years. But I mean, you you see what he did in the JUCO national championship game. I mean, he comes in, he starts, you know, day one. I mean, I mean, we may only have Will Lee for one year. So I I like that call. Um, who is, and I, I think uh DY does this himself, but who is going to be the future team captain from this group? This class has a lot of big time leaders too so that makes this question even tough it it feels like the cop out to say Avery because almost every time like the quarterback is the captain so I'll say Asa I mean Asa he isn't like a big talker but he's definitely a guy that will lead by example and is so mature for his age already and getting him into the culture of everything I think people will really gravitate towards him so the theme was bring the sauce. And then here at Bosco's boys, we have the swagger sticker award. So who is going to be 
the sauciest and who's going to have the most swagger amongst this recruiting class? Uh, it Camden Beebe is definitely up there, but after watching him in the Juco National Championship game, it's hard to not say Will Lee. That Will, Will Lee at one point, I, I think I'd be willing to venture we'll get a, an unsportsmanlike conduct called on him, probably. I love that. I I, I truly. Love oh, that. I have no pro- I have no problems with that, oh, especially <laughs> at, at defensive back. Like, look, I I love I love the fact that we, we we're gonna have like a swaggy offensive line. I think Camden Beebe's gonna get you know popped for a couple <laughs> unsportsmanlike penalties, but you need to have that swagger. You need to have that confidence at DB, and I I think Will Lee again. I. I love Avery Johnson and, you know, Will Ancio is my guy. I do think Will Lee uh, as a Juco prospect, he's going to be an instant a- impact. And I mean, oh, yeah. low key might end up winning big 12 newcomer of the year next year. I-, I can't remember if it was at Malik Benson or if it was at one of the other uh, Hutch receivers, but I remember that Lee got up after tackling him and got right in his face. Yeah. He, he is going to be a fun one to watch. All right. Who is going to be the – I can't believe he's still a K-State guy. So a guy who he's going to contribute early, maybe not a superstar, but someone from Iowa State, someone from KU, someone from Oklahoma State, Cincinnati. Someone's just going to say to themselves, you know, in 2027, like, he's still there? Why hasn't he left? Why is he still beating us? So who is going to be that guy from this recruiting class? This is a tough question. Um, I'll say – I'll say either Andrew Metzger or Will Ancio because it always feels like when a tight end is there for a long time and it's productive, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that that guy's still there. Like Charlie Kohler was at Iowa State. Yes. Like how is he? He he was actually the inspiration for this question, so I'm glad you went tight end. (laughs) Like it, it just it also just feels really annoying when another team's tight end is beating you. Because they're because tight ends when they are beating you are so hard to stop. Like we see that with, with Travis Kelsey. Like when a tight end is on on their game and at the top of the top, they're impossible to stop. So I feel like it has to be one of the tight ends. All right. Uh, final one about this recruiting class, and then we'll end with uh, some Christmas questions and then uh, one or two generic uh, K-State football questions. But who is going to be the special teams ace from this class if there's going to be one? Again, we see a lot of it with the walk-ons that will turn into scholarship players. Like we've seen the Porter brothers who uh, have been really taken on that role. Ty Bowman is another one. I mean, that's how we saw uh, Purnell get on the field at first. But if there's going to be a guy who's going to be like, all right, he is a, you know, three to four year special teams ace, a guy who folks are going to look down and be like, yes, I, I can count on him to make a play in special teams. Who's that guy going to be? Uh, this kind of feels like the cop-out because I actually saw this guy in person uh, in October. But uh, Jack Favers plays all all the special teams units for his high school. So it, it's easy to see him being that special teams ace for K-State to the point where, like, it wouldn't surprise me if he burns his red shirt by just playing special teams next year. Because, he, I mean, he, he did literally everything. He was on kick return, kick coverage, punt coverage, punt, uh, punt return, kickoff, kick return. And then he also was on, like, the field goal unit at blocking like he literally did everything so like I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him burn his red shirt just by playing special teams which i mean if you're that good at special teams like it's such a an important part of the game that i'm okay with actually burning somebody's red shirt by playing special teams it, it would be funny if uh 
and I'm not saying this again, I'm not a talent evaluator, but I, he, he was the one who I, I thought of for this one as well. It'd be funny if he was just like, all right, you know, on the roster, he doesn't have like safety or like linebacker or anything. It's just like, uh, you know, STA special teams ace. And that, that was like his position. And like, he, he just does play all of them. Uh, I, I think it'll be good. And again, I think that is, uh, I think that's great because, you know, you have a dad who coached at K-State, you know, uh, that is, you know, put so much importance on special teams. He, you know, you hear, you know, especially Taylor Bratt talk about, you know, he's a guy who will put his face in a fan for you. So I, I think that really uh, says a lot about him as well. So I'll ask, uh, uh, w- this is the last recruiting question. I'll have one football rec- uh, question, and then we'll end with some Christmas questions since this will drop on the 23rd of December. Uh, the final recruiting question is, all right, you know, uh, recruiting is never done. It sounds like Chris Common is going to give, uh, you know, the coaching staff, you know, a day and a half off and they're still doing bowl prep, but uh, whether it is portal or what, whether it is class of 2024, what are some names K-State fans should keep an eye out on uh, to see some movement this winter? Uh, so for 2024, I think that two names that you need to really kind of key in on are Blake Barnett, the quarterback from Erie, Colorado. He said a few weeks ago that he's close to committing to a school and it's likely going to be K-State or KU that it comes down to. And then uh, Michael Buganowski from Junction City, the linebacker that can do it all. He, I talked about uh, Austin Romaine having like 117 tackles this year. Buganowski had a game that he had 24 in. So Boganowski is a stud and that's probably going to be the number one kid in the state of Kansas. And I know that K-State is trying to close in on him early rather than late. So for some portal guys, I think his name is uh, Jordan Jefferson, the defensive tackle from West Virginia. That is, they K-State needs a defensive tackle, nose guard, desperately from the portal because they don't have very many players just total at that position right now and you can't go in there with Uso and Alalio and just think that that's going to be good for next year so getting a portal guy maybe even two is of supreme importance and then I'm definitely going to butcher his name so I'll just say the running back from North Carolina A&T is uh that's fair that's fair if he commits I'll probably come up with some stupid nickname that I'll call him yeah he he's another guy that if Deuce doesn't come back, that they they are going to need a portal running back. And he hits the hole really hard. And he has a little bit of Deuce Vaughn in his game with the explosiveness and some wiggle. And he can make guys miss in space. So it, it's probably those two for now. Thomas Harper, I know, visited um, last weekend before signing day, the defensive back from Oklahoma State. But it sounds like he's being a little bit, or he's being patient. It is going to go on a visit for the uh, January open spot that's just for transfers. It's like he's a name that like you need to watch out for, and it seems like he's very receptive towards K State right now. But it sounds like he's also being patient. So I don't know if anything's imminent there, but he he did visit. Very true. I will say this uh, with uh, Blake Barnett, uh, according to 247 Consensus, number one player in this state of Colorado, a top 50 quarterback prospect. 
And if we know one thing about quarterback prospects that uh, the staff identifies early, I would imagine his ranking shoots up. The... Uh, I was going to say, if you go look at the quarterback offers from 2023 and look at where they went or look at their ranking besides Avery, this class knows what they're doing with quarterbacks. Yes, they, they really do. Uh, final one, uh, K-State going to the Sugar Bowl. It's about, uh, what, just nine days as of recording this. It'll be eight days as folks are listening to it. Alabama, while they had some transfers out, uh, all the, their big names not opting out. So if you had to give me any sort of predictions, any sort of things you'll be looking for in that Sugar Bowl, where's your head at right now? So I'm really looking forward to the game, and I'm very excited that all of Alabama's players are playing. Um, I think that one thing that everybody needs to know about this Alabama team, and it was on the three-ball pod with Matt Miller, the ESPN draft analyst, is that Alabama doesn't really have that big-time receiver this year. So this is a game where Julius Brents and if Echo Boyd is healthy, can kind of show what they can do because Alabama, while they have Bryce Young and they have Jameer Gibbs, who is a stud and could end up actually going really, really high in the NFL draft this coming season at running back, that they have those two, but they don't have the explosive players on the, on the perimeter. And they also don't have the guys at defensive back that they usually do. And they're really susceptible to the big play. Like we, we saw that in games where Alabama lost to Tennessee they lost to LSU, where they're very susceptible to the big play in the passing game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the matchup. I, I, I'm very unsure about a prediction at the moment, but I, I think that it's going to be a very, very good game. I mean, it, it's also huge for the program, not only to win, but for recruiting that you have the Alabama brand. And it, it'll be interesting to see honestly how motivated Alabama is and I I hate this but like it it is true that there are times when Alabama doesn't make the playoff they don't make the BCS national championship game where or they didn't make the BCS national championship game where Alabama kind of comes out flat and it'll be interesting to see where their heads are at especially with everybody playing yes for sure all right we'll, we'll end with some Christmas questions Chris is my favorite holiday favorite time of the year so, what's your number one favorite Christmas movie? Uh, you got to go Christmas Vacation. I I got into a heated debate about this a couple days ago. Actually, the, the Christmas Vacation for me is number one. No, I hear you. Do you have a favorite Christmas song? Ooh, uh, I'll go. Hmm, Jingle Bells is always really solid, and it's been one of my favorites since I was a kid. There you go. Uh, what's your Christmas Eve or Christmas evening drink of choice? Uh, usually I'll go either a beer or I'll do like a whiskey Coke mix. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? Uh, ooh, or really holiday like season tradition. doesn't have to be on Christmas. I actually really like looking at Christmas lights and going and going to like the Topeka Zoo and going to the zoo, the zoo lights. Uh, while I was in Georgia, we actually went to Chattanooga and went to the mountains and went to see Christmas lights there. It's like I, I really like going to see Christmas lights. I also just like the whole like family aspect of Christmas and the holiday season. And we have this big hill at my parents' house that if it snows like it did last night, where. <laughs> Uh, we can go sledding really easily. It's like 
I, I really like uh, going sledding too. Do you ever drive around the Potwin neighborhood in Topeka? Uh, I did uh, when I was in like high school, middle school. Yeah, we I did that uh, the other night with my parents uh, on on the twentieth because I went back uh, because I drove up for to Manhattan on the twenty first for the basketball game. So um, that those are all the questions. So I'll, I'll now give you the floor to tell the boneheads anything you want. Spread out any holiday messages or cheer, and then uh, we'll just call it a day. All right. So, I mean, recruiting never stops. So don't just like go away from KSO because we got a lot of stuff. <laughs> on the burner that is coming your way um just it's a good time to be at k-state wildcat jerome tang and the basketball team 11 and 1 jeff mitty and the women's basketball team 11 and 2 like it's a good time to be a fan good time to relax and yeah yeah go cats i love it all right well that's all we have this is our last show until christmas but I'm going to say this to anyone who might be thinking about jumping the gun. Remember, it is bad luck to take down any of your Christmas decorations until after the 12th day of Christmas. So don't give in to the urge. Don't be a Scrooge. You know, celebrate the season all the way through the 12 days. Um, I believe we're recording this on the fourth, fourth or fifth day of Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah as well. Happy Kwanzaa. Merry Christmas. Uh, if you don't celebrate any of them, just enjoy the uh, festive time. Enjoy this winter. Uh, we love you guys. Remember, during this season of giving, if you have the means, please consider giving to a charitable cause near and dear to your heart. So for Drew, for K-State Online, for Chauncey Bosco, the best dog in the world, Merry Christmas. We love you guys, and go Cats. Podcast Network.